Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. to stop the Rileys. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everleys. He's going. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everleys. Touchdown Eskimo. One timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Here we go. Oilers Maple Leafs tomorrow night. The rematch. They started off the month playing each other. The Oilers will end their month against Toronto tomorrow night at Rogers Place. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 7. The Oilers coming off a disappointing weekend. A shootout loss Friday in Arizona and then 42 shots yesterday but they could only muster one goal. They gave up a late one and fell 2-1 to the Arizona Coyotes. Despite that, the Oilers still clinging to first place in the Pacific Division. We'll see if they can close off the month with a victory tomorrow night. NHL this evening, just two games. The Calgary Flames are visiting the New York Islanders. Islanders last in the NHL. They lead the Flames 1-0 four minutes into the second period. Just underway, the Stars and the Blues playing in St. Louis. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. It's 6.07. This is going to be a fun one tonight. Daryl Sittler is on the show. He's touring the West here. He's got a new book out. It'll be great to talk to the Hockey Hall of Famer, best known for his time as a Toronto Maple Leaf. We'll break down the Grey Cup. Oh, my goodness. You know, some idiot radio host in this city said Calgary was going to win 52-14. I'd hate to be that guy today. Oh, wait. Anyway, Ottawa pulled it off in uh, what to me is in, in my lifetime, and I've seen every Grey Cup probably going back to 1980 when I was six years old. I don't know if I remember any before that. Certainly, in my mind, the biggest upset in Grey Cup history, and I think one of the top three Grey Cup games that I've ever seen. It would be in my top three along with the 1989 thriller between Saskatchewan and Hamilton and the 2005 overtime game between your Edmonton Eskimos and the Montreal Alouettes. That game right up there in the additional storyline of the huge upset pulled off by the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'm not going to stop mocking their all-caps name just because they won. Tony Gabriel will be on the show. He was the hero of the last Ottawa Grey Cup when they were the Rough Riders in 1976 and a very keen observer to yesterday's game. So uh, we'll talk to him. Now, the news today, for hockey-wise, now the, I can tell you the Oilers did not practice today. They get a day off. They did put Mark Fain on waivers. I, I would highly doubt that he is going to be claimed, So, uh, but we'll, we'll check for that uh, tomorrow. Edmonton, 
is going to get to host a major international hockey tournament, and that is the Ivan Halinka Memorial Cup. It's uh, basically always been held in Europe, been held in the uh, uh, by the held by the Czech Republic. It's been well. It's been owned and produced by the Czech Ice Hockey Association and the Slovak Ice Hockey Feder- uh, Federation. Uh, they had representatives there today for the announcement at Rogers Place, and you can get more on 630Ched.com. But it's coming to Canada and specifically coming to Edmonton. So we see already some effect here of having the brand new Rogers Place. Edmonton will host the August tournament for under 18s in 2018, 2020, and 20. 20- 22, and then I guess we'll see beyond that. Hockey Canada President Tom Rennie was there today and tells you a little bit about the move to Canada. It's fantastic. I mean, you know, the, these youngsters aspire to something bigger than just this event, but they recognize that this is the event that will springboard, you know, their career. So w- with all that being said, I, I think that this is one of those events that will help define them, you know, as athletes. I think it helps, they help define our, our event, of course. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that, um, you know, those who participate in this event, whether you're a player, you know, or a fan, will, will certainly gain by all of this in terms of an opportunity to to feel real good about a where you're from here um, you know uh, what you do play hockey um, you know and where you want to go and that's something special whether it's a hockey player beyond that so this has so many sidebars to it um, you know that just make Edmonton look so good you know for having the, the guts and the determination to hunt this down with our help and and, uh, and do this together I, I couldn't be more proud of what's happening here all right Tom Rennie head of hockey Canada of course former head coach of the Edmonton Oilers and uh, he was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. You can get the Oilers Now podcast, of course, to hear the full interviews. I'm going to give you some highlights here. And uh, Rennie had this to say about Rogers Place. I know this is so good. I'm so happy for the fans of Edmonton and the organization and and everyone. Uh, you know, this is this is a real jewel in the in the, the NHL's crown, to say the least, if not the jewel, quite honestly. And it might be as good as there is around the world, Bob. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of rinks in my day, and this is absolutely fantastic. So, for those youngsters to be able to be in here and, and be a part of something this special and and really feel, um, you know, the the width and depth of the NHL, yeah. you know, and how they take care of their players and how they really and truly are, in my mind, and I think yours as well, the premier sporting league in the world. Um, this gives you clear indication as to why. All right. So I, it's going to be interesting to see what Rogers Place can bring to Edmonton. I, I mean, certainly a, a, as prestigious as the Halinka Memorial Cup is, it's not on par with... Uh, the World Junior Tournament. Now, the last time that was in Alberta, what was it, four years ago? Edmonton and Calgary co-hosted the event uh, with Calgary getting the playoff round. I would think if that happened again, Edmonton would get the playoff round because of Rogers Place, or maybe they would get the whole tournament. But I, I think more events of, of a, you know, a big uh, international hockey magnitude, still very possible, they could come to Edmonton. Bob Nicholson. CEO of the, uh, or sorry, Vice Chair of the Oilers Entertainment Group was asked if all the games would be at Rogers Place. We're going to look at that. Uh, you know, we that's still uh, to be determined. Majority of the games will be in here. Would we put a couple in the community rink or farm some of them out into, uh, you know, communities around here? That's We'll go over there and look at the tournament uh, this summer over uh, in check and then make those decisions because I know there's going to be a lot of interest uh, throughout Alberta to uh, host these ter- uh, some of these games. 
All right, but clearly the uh, Canada games are going to be the big draw for you. Those will be in Rogers' place, and then they'll see about the other ones. All right, more on that on 630Ched.com. The Grey Cup, a huge story. How about this? We have Tony Gabriel coming up next, hero of the last time Ottawa won the Grey Cup before yesterday. You can always reach us by texting 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Ched. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. A game for the ages. The heavily underdogged <laughs> Ottawa Red Blacks beating the Calgary Stampeders 39-33 in overtime to win the 104th Grey Cup. Ernest Jackson with the winning touchdown catch when Ottawa last had itself a Grey Cup victory in 1976. It was this man with the winning catch. I'm pleased to welcome to the show Tony Gabriel. Tony, how are you doing? Reed, it's uh, great to be still standing after uh, 40 years from 1976 uh, to live to see the game yesterday in Toronto. Well, I think that's probably the question a lot of people said to their co-workers or classmates or whoever they saw Monday morning as they got back into their work week or their school week or whatever. So I'll ask you the same question. What would you think of that game? <laughs> well, my, uh, uh, certainly I wasn't sitting down. Uh, I, I was watching and standing and yelling uh, uh, much of the time. Uh, cheering and and obviously uh, very uh, very very thankful that it wasn't 1981 like against the Edmonton Eskimos where they came back uh, to tie us and then beat us with six seconds left in 1981 in Montreal. Well, and a lot of people were referencing that, thinking about that as that game was uh, going on yesterday, and obviously Calgary got right down to the goal line, had to settle for a field goal, but uh, you mentioned you weren't... But that's what uh, reminded me uh, so much of uh, 1981, where we were 21-point underdogs to Warren Moon and Tom Wilkinson and all, and uh, at the same time, uh, we were up 20-1 to at, at the half, uh, Reed, so... Uh, surprised a lot of folks in, in the process, and then uh, uh, things started to happen for J.C. Watts, our quarterback, uh, a fumble here, uh, which led to an Edmonton touchdown. All of a sudden, uh, you know, you could see the momentum shift, and so did it in the second half for Calgary yesterday, and I thought I was seeing deja vu. <laughs> How, as a fan now, and how nervous do you get watching the games? Well, uh, once again, uh, I was right into it. Uh, I feel sometimes I can see things, uh, you know, uh, from the TV screen developing that, uh, you know, you wouldn't see from the stands uh, with the replays and uh, discussion, etc. And uh, the former... Uh, rough rider uh but now you know following the red blacks uh, on espn2 down here in rhode island the it certainly uh it, it left you on edge it was a nail biter it, it just had all the uh dramatic features that you'd want in a game and swinging back and forth um i you know what uh, i couldn't sleep last night 
Wow, you're that hyped up, eh? That's incredible. <laughs> well, I was drinking the champagne. No, no. <laughs> I, had, I finished my uh, another beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but we're looking to have some champagne. We're just going to be heading out to dinner shortly. So oh, good. this is great to have some time, uh, you know, for you and uh, D- Dave Campbell, I guess, uh, who contacted me. Reed, uh, it was just uh, great for CFL football. Tony Gabriel Jones. And what about Edmonton? I mean, you guys out there must be very, very proud. I saw them beat uh, the Tie Cats in the sudden death game here on mm-hmm. the crossover. Mm-hmm. And then to uh, see the Eastern final in that uh, snowstorm blizzard or whatever you want to call it uh, <laughs> reminded me of the 1996 Grey Cup. Yeah, in Hamilton. That's right, Toronto. And I was yeah. in Hamilton. I, you know, I'm a, a Hamilton boy, and uh, you know, I, I got my home in Burlington. And uh, so my wife and I, Lyle and I, we split time between here uh, and her residence in, in uh, Middletown, uh, uh, and then back to Canada for a few months at a time. And uh, so, anyways, uh, with that in mind, it's like I, I couldn't believe Edmonton coming back against Ottawa in the second half. Similarly, uh, you know, you wondered uh, with the momentum shift what was going to happen there, but uh, not quite. Uh, you almost made it to the cup. Yeah, we were hopeful. Couldn't quite get there this year. Tony Gabriel joining us on Inside Sports. You know, I got to ask you because football in Ottawa has such a long history. Um, yeah. But obviously there have been so many ups and downs. Uh, I mean, they, the Rough Riders disappeared, the Renegades came in, and now we got the Red Blacks, and, and they finally won it. What does it mean for you to see the Red Blacks be successful and do it relatively quickly since joining the league? Reed, uh, it's a great question. It means an awful lot to me. Uh, you know, as a former uh, player there uh, for seven years that I played, you know, in the in the capital city, and uh, connecting the dots all the way back, it was wonderful. Uh, and, and and congratulations to OSEG Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group. Uh, you know, Jeff Hunt. Uh, John Ruddy, Roger Greenberg, etc. They put uh, together a, a collaboration of, you know, from the top down, from coaches with Rick Campbell, uh, 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 trying to think of Desjardins at the uh, management level, uh, through the, uh, the camaraderie that I saw, you know, between uh, uh, Henry Burris and uh harris uh, just it it seemed to flow through the guys that i met this summer they had a 40th reunion for us uh before the toronto game on july 31st uh reed and 21 of our of my former teammates came back from the states and all around uh to get together and relive the moment that we all shared in Toronto in 76 to come back in the dying seconds against Ronnie Lancaster and and the, you know, uh, 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 Rough Riders uh, from Saskatchewan. And I'm telling you, it it brings it all back uh, to the occasion of winning the Grey Cup that uh, that day in Toronto 
on the same location. And I tried to pass on a message to the guys that uh, Jeff Hunt delivered the day before at practice to bring the cup back to Ottawa, and they certainly did. And before I let you go, you made a catch known as the catch in the 1976 Grey Cup. Ernest Jackson made the catch yesterday. Maybe it means people are going to talk about your catch a little bit less or in a little bit different context. Are you okay with that, given I, what Ernest could do? <laughs> uh, Reed, another great uh, uh, point. I, th- uh, I think uh, it was uh, exceptional under the circumstances, you know, into overtime uh, with that, uh, you know, uh, being able to get uh, Henry uh, Burris on the, on the, I think it was about four or five passes in a row that got him to there before Ernest Jackson concentrated on, you know, um, he, he mentioned, I think, in an interview to Sarah Orleski, uh, you know, that he was turning towards the end zone, but he kept his eyes on the ball because it popped right back a second time, as you know. Um, I call it the bobble that became a bang of of a catch, (laughs) and it's going to be remembered for for many years. Uh, It kind of reminded me, do you remember, if you could help me, in the 1996 Grey Cup in Hamilton? Oh, Eddie Brown. Eddie Brown's kickoff of his leg in the snow for that beautiful touchdown. I mean, that's what echoes and brings that back to me with that type of uh, catch that Ernest Jackson had uh, for his moment in time. Well, it will be remembered, as is your catch, Tony, and it was so great to catch up with you and get your perspective on what the Red Blacks were uh, able to accomplish. Uh, the hope life is good for you, and, and thank you so much for joining us on 6.30, Chad, tonight. Yeah, I get two Thanksgivings. So I That's had right. Thanksgiving this past, <laughs> American Thanksgiving with my wife, and, and they all, we also had that in Canada before I left to come down in October. So, Reed, thanks for having me. Uh, I think, uh, if I may say once again to all your listeners out there, uh, they've got to be very proud of the accomplishments, uh, if I may say, of uh, uh, Riley uh, Wright, your quarterback. Mike Riley, yep. Mike Riley, yeah. Uh, Didn't he have over 5,000 yards passing in the season? Yes, he did, yes. I just wanted to applaud that. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's got uh, a bevy of great receivers, too. And wish everybody the best of the season, best of luck for next year. It was uh, great watching uh, on TV down here on ESPN, too. Not trying to advertise, but you know what I mean. It, it was, I was glad that being out of the country, I was able to stay in touch, with, which means an awful lot to me of the CFL and uh, uh, just a great showing uh, for all of Canada. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Tony. That is Tony Gabriel, 1976 Great Cup champion. Now they have a new catch to talk about in Ottawa. How about that? Great to have Tony on the show. Very nervous for him watching yesterday's game. Daryl Sittler coming up on the show tonight, and our Eskimos analyst Blake Dermott, the one guy one of the few guys who said he didn't think Calgary would be able to cap off their great season with a championship. He'll tell us how it happened when we get back.
You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Still 1-0, the Islanders leading the Flames. That's late in the second period. Only other game in the NHL. Blues up 1-0 on the Stars. Three minutes left in the first. Tomorrow on 6.30, Chet. 5.30 for the face-off show. The game starts at 7. The Edmonton Oilers will take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Oilers winless in their last two, and they suffered an overtime loss at the start of the month when they played the Maple Leafs. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 6.35. We have Daryl Sittler. Hockey Hall of Famer coming up in half an hour. In about 90 seconds, we'll bring in our Eskimos analyst, Blake Dermott. But I want to welcome to the show faithful Inside Sports listener, Jason, who sent a text a couple days ago, actually during the face-off show yesterday, and predicted the Ottawa Red Blacks would win 31-30. Jason, you got it as close as probably anybody. How'd you do it? I just felt like being contrarian to everybody <laughs> and saying that the Red Blacks would win. So you weren't actually that convinced then? <laughs> oh, I was very convinced. I knew they wanted it more. They wanted uh, to make up for last year. And Calgary was just way too cocky. Well, they were, and we're going we're gonna to bring in Jock Wilson, who covers the Stampeders from our sister station in Calgary, on on the show a little bit later on. Uh, Jason, I know you often uh, text in about the Oilers. I can't remember if you've ever texted in uh, Eskimo stuff, but uh, what were your thoughts on the green and gold season if you followed it? I was a little disappointed at the beginning when they weren't doing so well, and then I thought they ended up pretty well. I mean, they blew it in the last game, but... I don't think they have anything to be disappointed in themselves. I thought they had a pretty good season overall, considering everything that happened. Did you hear my interview with Bo Levi Mitchell in the summer leading into the Labor Day games? Oh, you know, I probably did, but I can't really remember. People were bringing it up to me today when I said, you know, Riley's having a good season, who's the MOP? And he cut me off and said, me, I'm not going to pick a guy on another team. <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, that'd be like picking, you know, somebody to win over the Oilers. Just don't do that. <laughs> Jason, thanks for calling in, and good stuff being as probably, you probably were as close as anybody in Canada with the score, so good stuff, buddy. Well, thanks, Reed. You have a great night and great show. Thank you. That's Jason calling in, 780-496-0063. So he said 31-30 for the Red Blacks. Uh, it ended 39-33. Uh, I'm going to just round off those scores and say he pretty much nailed it. Blake Dermott is our Eskimos analyst all season long here on 630. you got to hand it to him. That, that, that's not bad, Blake, 31-30, <laughs> you know? Well, that's a pretty gutsy prediction. Uh, I... Uh... I've been calling for uh, Calgary to lose in the Grey Cup game for two months. Now, what? But you said I mean the, the the strongest you were on this show was that you said if they got to sixteen and two they would lose. But then I know as as the season went on, you know you you didn't you didn't think that they were going to pull it off. What gave you that that vibe? Was it just that they would have the target on them? They'd get lazy. What gave you the vibe? Well, you know I I think here's the thing. Um, I don't think Calgary got lazy the whole year. I mean, they were arguably one of the best teams that have ever been in the CFL. Uh, but they were—they did. The target got bigger every game, and that's a tough thing to deal with. It—it it just really is. And when you look at a team like Ottawa, who had won the Eastern Conference two years in a row, uh, was a was a good team last year. Was a good team this year at the end of the season when they got all of their guys healthy again and. They had a motivated squad. Like they were, as, as Jason just 
said beforehand, they had been to the Grey Cup before. They kind of knew what to expect. And then when you listen to things that that Henry Burris said after the game, like, why? You know, all anybody ever did was talk about Calgary. Why are we even here? And and you don't think that kind of talk fires up a team? And I saw so much of that in 1989 when we lost to Saskatchewan Rough Riders when we were 16 and two. I saw our guys starting to to you know to not. Not, I mean, you want to believe in yourself. You want to be cocky. And I listened to Bo Levi Mitchell in some of his interviews, and he's it's an interesting guy. Or he's an interesting guy in that he, whenever he's interviewed, he says the right things. He says things that make sense. But you come away from it going, man, I don't like that guy. I hope he loses. <laughs> and, and, but he, and he, he, never, he never says anything negative about somebody. I, I mean, even that, what you just said about your interview with him halfway through the season, what else is he supposed to say? You know, he's, he's, I would pick myself, too, if I was undefeated or had only lost one game and was leading the league in passing and all that kind of stuff. I would say, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm, it was neck and neck between the two of them as, re, as receivers, uh, or I'm sorry, as, as quarterbacks. And he said, they go by the wins. We've got way more wins than them, so I should, be the, I should be the MOP if it came down to us, too. And I don't disagree with that kind of stuff. But the fact that he said it, Kind of makes you go, yeah. I hope you lose. Right? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. He he was right, but but it wasn't the answer that most athletes would give. They might say, oh well, you know, a lot of respect and all that kind of stuff. The and, boring and then, answers. But 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 they, they they went into this week, but with all anybody talked about, it, four guys getting awards, at the CFL uh, awards, uh, get all the major awards, and then and then nobody's even talking about Ottawa. Ottawa doesn't even have a chance. And. And those kinds of things are the same things that were up on the, bill, uh, the bulletin boards for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 1989. Yeah. After we beat them as badly as we did the week before and uh, two weeks before. And so all they did was had, had this time to just think about uh, being focused and being sharp and, being, and, and everything that you need to do to have a big game. And, and I don't think Calgary didn't prepare. I don't think they, they prepared poorly. I think they prepared well. But they came up against the movement. That's what happened. And sometimes there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, I mean, when you look at the number one passing offense in the league in Calgary, playing against the number eight rated pass defense in the, the Ottawa Rough Riders, and the quarterback who's thrown two interceptions all year or whatever number it was, throws three in one game. You know, they, this was a team that played well. This was a team that, that played probably above themselves. And, and I, whenever you give a team that is a good team, you give them, uh, like Ottawa was a good team. I mean, they beat the Eskimos. And when you give a good team more incentive than they really need, they become a very, very dangerous team. And I think that's why I was thinking that, that Ottawa, even on Monday when I was on the, the last show, the Eskimo show, I, I, said, I said, I've been picking them all year, and I, I, I really still think that Ottawa's, I, I think Calgary's a better team, but I think Ottawa's going to win. Blake, just to, just to wrap it up here, and, and I'm just going to give you my quick thought on the game, and I know when you and I uh, talk and I start talking about my impressions of football, I can see you rolling your eyes, and then you kind of say, Reed, here's how it really is. But, uh, but no, I mean, I thought, you mentioned the, the uh, Ottawa pass defense. I just thought their secondary played so well against the Eskimos. I mean, four or five times they separated the ball from a Darius Bowman, Darrell Walker. Like they just—it was almost like they just decided, like, okay, we've had we've had trouble. We might as well just go for it. And then they came up with the picks against Calgary. Um, other than the play where they forgot to touch the guy who was already down, they didn't allow a lot of yak. And it just seemed to me like that secondary just decided, like, enough is enough. We want to be physical, and we're going to go for the ball. We're going to take the chance if it's up for grabs. Well, forget the secondary. I mean, the secondary, you're right, absolutely. But the number one rusher in the, in the, in the league had 35 yards rushing. The, uh, the, the team that gave up 20 sacks in the whole season, I think the quarterback got sacked twice. or He got hit more times in that game 
they held the rushing the the uh, uh, the, the leading rusher to little or no yards, and then they intercepted a guy who never throws interceptions. The defense played fantastic, and then you got a 42-year-old guy throwing over 400 yards uh, on a bum leg. Yeah, they were a team of destiny, and, and uh, they were uh, full credit for the victory. All right. Well, Blake, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, I'm always a little sad when football ends because that means uh, we're not going to talk as much, so I may just... You know, text you during you can Oilers phone me games. Anytime, Reed. Yeah, <laughs> just to talk. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, Blake, and great job calling that Calgary wouldn't get it done, man. All right, thanks a lot. That is Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst here on 6:30. Chad, we'll talk to him throughout the off season, but of course, a lot more of him uh, once we get back into, I guess, training camp in uh, in May. We will go to Calgary for a quick story there with Jock Wilson. He works at our sister station, News Talk 770. Daryl Sittler is in town, Toronto Maple Leafs legend, Hockey Hall of Famer. He's going to be in uh, after the 7 o'clock news, so that'll be fun. little Oilers stuff as we move along as well. And uh, we're going to have Brian on the open line quickly when we get back. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630K. Couple of texts here to 630-630. This person says, Hi, Reed. To me, the Eskimos lost to the eventual winners, and the icing on the cake was Calgary got beat. Plain and simple, it was joyful to see them lose. And uh, Dave said... I think this is a, a slightly politically incorrect text from Dave, but I, I think I can read it without getting in trouble. Dave says, I was thinking Calgary's quarterback was either high or had a brain tumor with the look on his face after a few plays. One guy messing up you could see, but a couple guys apparently running the wrong way. Sorry, not the receivers. That's the quarterback. That is from Dave. All right. Uh, we're going to get to Jock Wilson out of our station in Calgary in a minute here, but I got a second for uh, Brian. I think he has a great cup comment. Hi, Brian. Hey, Reed. Yeah, what basically uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, how often do you see a team that's dominant during the regular season and they crash and burn? And, you know, I mean, it happened to the Stampeders this year in CFL. Golden State Warriors. Yep. Washington Capitals last year. I mean, it seems to happen more times than not that you have an absolutely fantastic year and you don't win the goods. Well, Calgary, uh, and I'm going to talk about this with Jock, they've won 58 games over the last four seasons. Only one Grey Cup. Uh, let me ask you this. What NFL team went 15-1 and last season? Uh, Carolina I'll- Panthers. They right. lost the Super Bowl. How did the 16-0 and Patriots do in the end? Uh, again, they didn't. They didn't win. Lost the Super Bowl, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, some dominant teams do win, but you can go back when you get home, Brian. It sounds like you're driving. Look at all the teams that have won that have gone 15 and one in the NFL. I think more have not won the Super Bowl than have, and obviously the well, 16 and 0 Patriots. Exactly didn't. My point is, is it seems, and it's not just the NFL. It's it seems almost about the only sport where a dominant team can generally win. The championship is baseball, it seems. Well, because and they and, and they have fewer rounds, right? So there's less teams that can knock you off along the way, exactly. too. Exactly. So yeah. uh, that was that was the only comment I wanted to make. Brian, good to talk to you, man. Take care, man. That's Brian. 780-496-0063. It is 650. 
All right, what's going on in Cowtown today? Jock Wilson is the host of Stampeders Football on News Talk 770. Jock, welcome to the show. How are you doing? The sun came up this morning, Reed. So, uh, hey, life goes on here in Calgary. Believe it or not, the sun came up. I'm calling it the biggest upset in Grey Cup history. Uh, I, I'm not going to say the score I prediction I made on air because I will just further embarrass myself, and I do that <laughs> enough. But, uh, I, I mean, you, look, you watched every second of Stampeder football this year, a historic season without the historic ending. When you were watching that game yesterday, when did you think, uh-oh? You know, Reed, that's a great question. And, and, and here's the bottom line, and you sort of summed it up with that question there. This could only go one or two ways for the Calgary Stampeders. It was either going to be a statement game and that, that was going to be capped off with one of the best seasons ever after a Great Cup championship win, or else it was going to go into the books as one of the biggest upsets ever. And as it turned out, it turned out to be one of the biggest uh, you know upsets ever in Canadian Football League history. And, uh, you know, right from the early on of the game, I, you could sense something was a little off with the Calgary Stampeders. That first half was very uncharacteristic. You know, the mistakes that they made, the stupid penalty that Renee Paredes took for pushing an Ottawa Red Black on the sidelines, totally out of the play. And and then, of course, the interceptions. Bo Levi Mitchell, all season long, a great game manager. There was something off with this team. Now, was this something that the Ottawa Red Blacks did differently? Uh, something the Calgary Stampeders were not expecting? Or, or was this team starting to read their own press clippings? And I uh, heading into this week, I, I thought, no way. This team was above that. This team was better than that, Reed. But then, you know, a couple of days, uh, you know, towards the end, there was Josh Bell on television on TSN talking about, you know, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And, and I'm going, uh-oh, that's not a very good sign. And this team, unfortunately, could not write that script. Yeah, you, you wonder if, if they did lose focus a little bit because they just came out so strong against the BC Lions. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people thought that that was the game that would give Calgary trouble if there was one of the two playoff games that they might that they might trip over for sure. It, Jock, you, uh, I mean, like like me, part of your job is talking to fans. I mean, was this, uh, is the fan base, well, the whole season is down the tubes. Are, are they saying Ottawa got lucky on one day? Is it, you know, I'm just curious uh, how people are reacting to this. There's fans that are very, very disappointed, as you might expect. And, and you do Oiler broadcast, you know all about the disappointments over the last number of years. This year's a, a little bit different, obviously, with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I think that the biggest mistake, and, and I hate to call it a mistake, because I'm not here to question the coach of the year in the Canadian Football League. You know, Dave Dickinson, I thought, called you know a great game all season long. And I think uh, when it's push comes to shove, that was a 20-point comeback that they came back for from enforce that overtime game. But the, the one call that everybody wants to throw Coach Dickinson under the bus on is Andrew Buckley with a chance to win the game. Second and two, you leave your most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League on the bench, your outstanding Canadian, Jerome Messam, on the bench, and fans are going, what the hell? You know, what is that all about? And, and easy for us to second-guess it. And when it's all said and done, even even the quarterback, Bo Levi Mitchell, second-guessed it after throwing his coach under the bus a little bit, saying that ball's got to be in my hands or it's got to be in Messam's hand, so I get it. I can understand why the fans are very, very frustrated with that call, but hey, listen, it's a 60-minute game, and if you're going to just dissect the entire game on one play, you know, shame on you as a fan, shame on me as a fan, shame on me as a broadcaster. You know, no game is won or lost on one play, so that's the one that that sticks in everybody's craw right now. 
An incredible four-year run for the Stampeders. 14, 15, 14, and then this year, 15 wins. Um, and, I mean, it, it sounds almost silly to say, but only one Grey Cup uh, out of four incredible regular seasons. Um, first of all, let, let's just focus on the good things because this this has become an exceptional program, an exceptional organization that, you know, didn't just survive a head coaching change this season. Um, it, it thrived on it and went to even new heights. So, I mean, clearly this is an organization that does a lot of things right despite a couple of Grey Cup stumbles over the last four years. You bring up another great point because you look back at the 90s when the Calgary Stampeders were supposed to be a dynasty. You can't be a dynasty when you don't win back-to-back championships. You know, they had some great quarterbacks back in the 90s. Wally Buono, the winningest coach in the CFL. And, you know, 15-win season after 15-win season after 15-win season. And they, and they couldn't take it home. They couldn't win the championship game. And, and here we are in another scenario for the Calgary Stampeders. And, and it's so interesting and, and, and almost eerily reminiscent because the Calgary Stampeders, I think you could say, and you could make a case that they have been the model franchise in this league since 2008 when John Huffnagel took over. Of course, they've been to a number of Great Cup championships. They've won a couple of championships, but you can't use the dynasty word anymore because they haven't been able to get the job done. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love the city of Calgary, and I think we have some great sports franchises, but boy, we've had a tough time you know, getting the deal done here in Calgary. I look back at the Calgary Flames. They won the one championship, you know, back in 1989. I, I, I was at a funeral this morning, and, the, you know, Peter Mart, Doug Barkley, our old play-by-play team, you know, was there, and we were reminiscing, saying, boy, the Calgary Flames should have won three or four championships, you know, when they were the strongest team in the National Hockey League. They won one. And here's the Calgary Stampeders, the same way in the 90s. They should have won three or four championships. They win one. Uh, here we are again. You know, this team could have reeled off, you know, three or four championships over the last eight years. And, and they've got just a couple to show for it. So very, very disappointing. The Calgary, you know, Flames and the Stampeders, you know, cannot close the deal when they are considered one of the top teams, if not the top team in the league. Yeah, well, that's a game that's going to be remembered for a long time. An absolute classic yesterday, though. Obviously, the memory will mm. be different in Calgary than the rest of the country. Jock, thanks for weighing in, buddy, and uh, all the best here covering the Stamps and the Flames over the uh, rest of the year and into next year. Great. Anytime uh, you give me a call. That is Jock Wilson from our sister station, News Talk 770 in Calgary. Calgary's hockey team in action tonight, still down one nothing to the Islanders early in the third. We'll give you a full scoreboard update when we get back. And we will be joined by Toronto Maple Leafs legend, Hockey Hall of Famer, Daryl Sittler in town with his new book coming up on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.